Raising black children in the United States can be really scary. And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear. And I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation. You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast. I am your host, Trina Green-Brown. Each episode, I'm joined by other Black parents, and we discuss our journeys to push past our fears to raise our beautiful Black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Good afternoon. This is Trina Green-Brown. I'm here with Mariah Rankin-Landers, who wrote this beautiful piece called Ways to Hold Our Children Through Collective Crisis and Grief that was shared with me on social media by the incredible Mia Birdsong. I found out that these two are actually really good friends. Um, so excited to have Mariah join us on the podcast to talk about grief and holding our babies in this moment of COVID-19. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mariah. Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Mariah is a lifelong educator from the classroom to the County Office of Education, and she co-founded an organization called Studio Pathways that is centered around culturally responsive teaching and learning that's centered in the arts. And so as an educator and someone who has worked with babies um, in the classroom and also worked with educators and teachers, um, I really appreciate you writing the article that reminds us as parents and folks who are working with young people right now in this moment to hold them, hold them in their grief, um, hold them as they're going through this difficult time for young people. It's, it's difficult for us as parents and adults, but it's also really difficult for children. So our post, our first off, just want to say thank you for writing that piece and reminding us to return to the, the social emotional part of this time. Uh, you're welcome. I'm really glad that it's been helpful and, and glad that it's being well-received. Yeah, it's like been, yeah, it's been really forwarded along and I'll post the link to it in the, in the podcast notes. Um, so it was, the, the article really pushed me to shift from all of the fear and pre- preparation and worry and angst that I've been feeling around COVID-19 and my children and dropping into, into my heart and invite me to hold my son and my children, um, through this grief. Um, can you share a little bit about COVID-19 and how it's creating collective grief, as you talked about in your article? And you also mentioned this um, this piece around anticipatory grief. So can you expound on both of those as well, as well? What are our children up dealing with or facing and experiencing right now around collective grief and anticipatory grief? Sure. Um, I think I'll start with the idea of, of the sense of collectivity, um, I really kind of think in terms of how we are all connected, interconnected. So a lot of my teaching practices have been to support that idea uh, with children that we're all um, interdependent and interrelated, right? And so this idea of something being so collective in this way um, had me really thinking about the future, Um and the fact that we're all going to be experiencing this, um, you know, we're, we're all going to be experiencing this together. Um, it has reached beyond any man-made boundaries, borders, um, ideas of otherness, uh, and is affecting everyone on the planet. So thinking about that and thinking about um, how everyone is going to be affected in some way 
um, really made me think about what are children going to be experiencing? How are they going to uh, take this experience forward into their future lives? And what will it, what will the shape of humanity be um, based off of this shared experience? Um, and so part of that, that um, experience is this grief that we're uh, feeling. And I noticed immediately that I was feeling it. Um, I had to go into self-quarantine or uh, self-isolation about a week before we got like the statewide push to do that. And I immediately recognized that I was um, feeling mentally, emotionally uh, paralyzed and um, spent the week just trying to like do anything, but just really um, realized that I just couldn't, like I, I couldn't bring myself to do work projects. I couldn't bring myself to, um, you know, tend to the house. And then once that passed, all I wanted to do was clean the kitchen repeatedly. So the kitchen is super clean now. Um, and then I started realizing like this is, this is what grief is. This is, um, I'm experiencing, um, the elements of grief and I'm experiencing this anticipatory grief, uh, which is the sense that there's, um, you know, something on the horizon that is unexpected and that's probably not going to be great. Um, and so it's the, it's the body and the brain kind of responding to that uncertainty place. And so it, it feels um, different ways in people's bodies. And my body feels like very jittery um, uh, and it comes out in, in panic attacks. I was having panic attacks like every day for those first two weeks. Um, so I thought, you know, I'm thinking, I always am thinking about our young people because I'm always fascinated and curious about our future and, and how we experience, um, being in a human body and how we experience, uh, life, like just a life. Um, and with this trauma that we're experiencing of the coronavirus, um, we are really, you know, going to feel, be feeling a lot of emotion um, in many different ways that's going to bring a different and particular view set, um, different ways of engaging in life going forward. Yeah, no, that, that really resonates. Um, first off, just want to invite folks as they're listening to this podcast to remember to like be grounded, place your feet on the floor. Um, to really, as you were reflecting on your experiences with grief, um, it was making me like start to breathe heavy and like start to like think about all the feelings and start to re- reflect on like how have I how has my body been feeling lately? Oh, that's why I'm so tired. Um, how has my breathing been? Um, and so like really inviting folks to think about like how has this been taking a toll on your body and like really trying to invite folks to get connected with your body in this moment um, as we talk about it. Because as you were describing the feelings, the jitteriness in your body, I was like, oh, I could, I could feel all of those things um, come up for me. Um, and so just even as we're talking about how it's impacting our children, I know that the parents are listening to this podcast and just inviting us to think like, if that's how we're feeling as the adults in the home, imagine what it's, what the experience is like to our little ones who may not have, 
the ability to identify and name um, what it what it feels like or looks like for them. And so I did want to ask, like, how can parents notice the signs of grief in their children? Like, I imagine that some of the parents are seeing their kids, like, you know, they might describe it as like them being lazy or being, them being defiant or them being difficult or having tantrums. I can imagine that, that those, that's the language that people um, might be describing the way their children are behaving right now. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. is that actually possibly a way that their children are showing grief? And so you as an educator, you know, being in the classroom with, with young folks, what does it look like? How do you notice um, grief in children? Yeah. Um, so first I'll say, yes, I, I'm a long-term educator, not a therapist. So I do want to encourage anyone to really seek help from um, therapy in any form that they can from a professional. Um, and I can speak to the to what I know to be true as an educator in um, looking and responding to children that have lived lifelong traumas um, and experienced isolated traumas as well. Um, you know, and you're you're hitting it right on the head in terms of like the outburst or being despondent. Um, those are certainly um, markers of grief in the body. Um, children will react have varying levels of reaction. So I would say anything that is just out of the norm um, is, is just to look for for those uh, behaviors that are changing within your child. Um, you know, one thing that you can observe uh, quite easily is just to notice what they're playing, like really observe how are they playing? Um, are they introducing new ideas um, in their play? And that would be a way that they're working out and making sense of something. Um, so you can pay attention to words that are coming up or actions that are coming up. Um, they might, you know, want to do a repetitive action. So something that's uh, soothing to the brain is to participate in something repetitive. Um, so I remember uh, something I used to do as a child. I had a blanket that I would put my thumb in a corner of the blanket and kind of scrunch the blanket um, up my thumb over and over and over. And that was a really soothing thing for me. Um and so children might want to do a repetitive action in terms of reading a book over and over. Um, they might want to cuddle with you more, um, which can feel sometimes like, you know, it might feel too irritating to have a kid that just wants to cling to you, but they might need that. And so um, just paying attention to anything that is out of the norm for you and your child and you know your child the best. So. Um, once you kind of notice those things, it's really just acknowledging like, okay, this is um, an element of grief and then making sure that you follow up with some, um, some of the links in the article that really support and outline what that is and then how to respond appropriately for your child. So what do you do when a child is having an outburst? What do you do if they're being super clingy? What? Do you do if you notice something different in their play? Um, you know, you might need to um, interrupt an idea. You might need to um, elongate an idea in the process, right? Like if they're working on an idea in playtime, you can um, get in and play with them and support them in meaning making like, you know, puppets. I think about puppets a lot or um, in their Legos, whatever it is that they're playing with. Um, how can you extend their thinking towards the idea that they're working out in developmentally appropriate ways? 
Um, and same for disruption. Like if there's um, constant outbursts, it's really the brain saying, I don't know how to feel safe in this moment. And so you can look for the ways that are best supportive to um, bring some nurturing uh, elements that will calm the body and calm the um, the ways that your child is handling that moment. Mm, yeah, that really helps. And that really resonates in terms of um, my own experience. Like my son is, you know, here with me alone for most of the day. And um, I've noticed you know, we're, I feel like we're getting closer. And I also noticed the, like, the clinkiness, right? Like, he now sleeps in my bed again. He's 11. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done that since he was, like, six or something. Um, right. And so he comes, you know, I woke up this morning and he was in my bed. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, it's fine. It's okay for me. It's okay for him because I feel like he needs it, right? I feel like he he needs that connection. I think he has his own worries about people being sick that he cares for. And he's worried about loved ones like being ill. Um, So I'm noticing like his, his, his grief looks like fear and anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as you said, like many parents have children who have different responses, right? Some could be, you know, fear, some could be frustration. And I think it's true in terms of um, inviting parents to just pause and try to understand what is being communicated by the behavior. Um, So I learned that behavior is communication, right? They're communicating something, a need, a desire, a want, a worry, a fear, an angst. Um, And I, I just did this talk with Bruce Perry, who's like a neuroscience and um, who talks a lot about like childhood trauma and that like the most important thing when your child is dysregulated or they're you know flooded or they're frustrated or they're crying or they're having a tantrum however you describe like dysregulated um, Mm -hmm. that the most important way to help our children to become real to become regulated is by connecting with them is to relate to them so it's not about trying to correct the behavior um, it's not about saying like, do this, do this, stop crying, you know, go do something else. It's about, okay, come here. Let me, let, let's, let's connect. Like, come sit with me, come, let me hold your hand or like whatever kind of physical contact, if that's something your child needs or just kind of sitting down with them and kind of getting a sense of like, what's, what's going on and then relate to them and say like, I know this is hard. This is challenging. I know, you know, whatever, you know, affirming their, the need that they're naming, um, and then reflecting on like what's a possible alternative response. Like maybe they were doing something that was hard that they shouldn't be doing. Um, so then how do you reflect with them on like what are some alternative responses in that moment? And so inviting folks to kind of get curious with their children about what's up um, rather than trying to punish or, yeah, or correct the behavior immediately. Right. Yeah, I I. Absolutely. That is exactly what you're naming in terms of like that disruption is not about um, uh, correcting or eliminating. It's about like bringing in that safety point. Um, so, yeah, thank you for saying that because that, that's really about connection there. So it's really true. We're all seeking to connect. 
And you referenced in your article, and you just mentioned that there's lots of like articles that are provided um, around, for example, my son being afraid of death, right? He's, he's afraid that, you know, people who like, I'm like, oh, so-and-so was sick in our family. He's like, oh, oh, I hope they survive. You know, like he's like really just worried about people's survival and like being able to make it out of this moment. Um, and so I know you, you posted some great content that about how to support children through through death or talk to children about death um, and also anxiety. If you, I don't know if you want to reflect on any of those for the listeners who may not have access to the article, if you want to reflect on any of those points that you shared in the, in your article. Yeah. Um, you know, I think up front is just really to follow the questions that your child is um, asking. And so if they're asking questions, it means they're ready to hear um, some developmentally appropriate responses um, and to not to not deny them the inquiry work that's needed for them to make sense of this. So as questions are coming up, um, you know, one of my favorite childhood books was The Fall of Freddie the Leaf by Leo Biscaglia. And I remember my grandmother sitting me down after I had an existential crisis um, and was like, what is life? Why am I on a You know, it was just like all of the, the the questions one after another. And I feel like I kind of left my, my little four or five-year-old body. Um, and my grandma sat me down and read me this book. And just it brought a lot of grounding towards what the whole experience is, that there's this cycle that is the same for every human on the planet. Um, and so linking me back to the idea of uh, collectivity, right, that we're all collectively experiencing this, so there's not the sense of it's just me. Um, and I, you know, a lot of the the work around um, talking about death and dying is to, you know, use the words, like don't deny children um, the vocabulary around death and dying um, it's just because it's scary. Like it's it's a place to just start the conversation and go gently, um, do it with lots of care, um, you know, like, and let it be around, you know, lots of connection and and ways that you can feel the child is not feeling like um, alone, that they're feeling really held through the process of talking about it. Um, so there's a, there's, there, you know, I'm going to say there's not a whole lot of uh, literature out there. So I'm going to also say if you have an inkling to write, um, to write, like write with your child, write a story about um the process of life, the cycle of life and, and death and dying, uh, you can, you know, one of my examples is to observe nature, observe what's happening. Like you can look at um, a worm uh, that crawls up from the earth after it rains and it finds itself on the street, right? And then it's, it, it dries up. Um if you can find something and then have build a story around it so that the child feels that um, sense of attachment and connection and, and is uh, making meaning about the world through a practice that is one of the main ways that we, that we learn and that we um, build consciousness is through storytelling. Um, so I would say, yeah, book writing is 
probably one of the, the best ways that you can um, engage with making sense of these things together um, and going through and, and looking for the books that feel right for you and your child. I listed about, uh, I think, three or four uh, books that I really liked a lot um, that I used in my own classroom experiences. Yeah, one of the books that I um, I like is by Lucille Clifton. It's a it's a poetic story that tells the stages of grief um, through the eyes of a child, which I thought was really great um, in terms of like helping children understand that there are cycles and stages to grief. That it shows the range of feelings of of anger, you know, denial, and then acceptance. You know, the various stages and to help. Mm-hmm. to validate um, the feelings that children may be feeling. Um, and this is really right for me personally and also like collectively. Um, I have, mm-hmm. I lost my father this year. And um, I remember like trying to figure out the best way to tell my son about it. Um, who's 11. And mm-hmm. I remember like folks, know wanted me to do it in a particular way and I was like I'm going to do it in the way that feels right for our relationship um and so my son loves his dog (laughs) and you know he takes his dog for walks and normally you know that's just his thing with the dog you know it's his responsibility I'm just like it's not my responsibility it's your dog and so I was like oh I'll go with you to walk the dog he's like oh okay like that's nice (laughs) for you to come on the walk with Mm -hmm. me um, and so in that walking moment, utilize that, you know, walk however long we needed to take, if we needed to take extra loops around the neighborhood to share that information with him that my father had passed. And he was so kind of like you described in some of these stories about like the life cycle of a leaf or the life cycle of a worm or he was very like understanding of the life cycle. Like, you know, that's the cycle of life. Like he told me that's the cycle of life, mom, like people live and then they get older maybe and then they pass and like and then he's asking me how do you feel about it and I'm like I was just like so blown away by like the way that his mind and heart held it um and so as you say like children's understanding um is there yeah at their age appropriate levels and so you engage them in the way that is appropriate for them right um, yeah. So I appreciated you providing all these books. So the other books that you listed are Grandma's Purple Flowers and also a book that, that my son was very familiar with, Charlotte's Web. Um, mm-hmm. These are stories that talk about loss and death um, and dying mm-hmm. in ways that are age appropriate and that can begin the conversation. So I really appreciate that. You're welcome. I also really love that you... Um, found uh, a part of your day or you found a routine that was familiar and you had your dog, the dog there that holds this place of um, love and care as well to talk about these things. That's a really beautiful way to um, map that out. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think another piece in your article similar to this right like so I use the dog because I know that that's a place of of love for him like he loves his Mm -hmm. dog it's like his best friend his companion right um and so it's a place that feels safe for him like with his dog 
Um, and so I know in your article, you listed some other ways that we can be providing care or care practices with our children. Um, mm-hmm. Curious if you want to share some of those, like other, you know, verbalize some of the care practices you listed for the children. But then also I'm thinking like as a parent, do you have recommendations for care practices for us? Because I know many of us are like hanging on by a thread, trying to hold yeah. all these pieces together right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, um, you know, I'm also someone that is not um, unfamiliar with trauma. I've been through quite a lot of trauma in my life, so I, and grief. Um, and I think the thing that I didn't really get to talk about in terms of care is the idea of ritual um, and looking at, like, ways that you can hold a ritual that is meaningful, meaningful for you that brings a, a sense of um, routine um, and an idea that is like, um, it's also, you know, rituals are creative and they can be, um, they can be rearranged, meaning like within the routine, something can change or within the ritual, something can change, but it's the same sort of ritual. So if you have a ritual as an adult, like I love my coffee ritual in the morning, like that is a ritual. I have my French press. I the timer I have the cup that I like to use like that's a ritual for me um and so what ways can we help um our our young people our children like participate in a ritual that is really supportive during this time I think about making altars in the home um ways that you can assemble objects every day that um that are that bring a sense of joy or bring a sense of wonder or appreciation. It could be, um, you know, a, a way to just acknowledge those around us. It could be like a form of a prayer for other people. Um, and so I think building altars are really gorgeous. It could be using natural products um, from outside, like sticks and fallen flowers, things like that. Um, and those are actually good for adults too, to, to like set up a little space where it's how you're composing, like what's important to you in this time and can be used as like a place of intention setting and grounding. Um, so if you're feeling very jittery and, and nervous and anxious and you want to get grounded in the idea that um, there's calm and ease, what around the house is a signifier for you for calm and ease? Is it a picture of a loved one? Is it um, a gift that you've gotten from a friend? Um, you know, any kind of sentimental object and build a little uh, place where it fits purposefully. Um, maybe you set up like a piece of fabric to hold it, or maybe you put it in a corner of the room where it gets light or near a flower you know all of there's there's a lot of ways that you can creatively build altars and I'll let folks go and um research but um I love that practice and I think that rituals for children are really good um other rituals might look like uh having a gratitude time every day like maybe they are engaging in writing a letter to a loved one or drawing a picture to a loved one 
um, and they write one letter a day to everybody during a certain time. Um, rituals could be like, I don't know, maybe there's a dance that happens before you go to bed or whatever it is. You know, there's, there's a thousand different ways to build rituals. Um, other types of care, you know, I think that um, I, what I have found to be really helpful is just uh, like routine and um, repetition. Uh, so kind of structuring my day, not that it's highly structured, but that there's parts to the day. So I know what my morning is going to look like. I know that there's um, midday, I'm going to make lunch, and then the afternoon, then the evening, and then night, right? And so um, I think about, like, tending to the moment, like, is there something that I need to do right now, such as, do I need to go clean the kitchen again? Okay, let's go clean the kitchen again. Um, and just being okay with the fact that there are other rooms in my house that need help, but for whatever reason, the kitchen for me is the most uh, centering way that I can like calm down. Um, and so I just kind of articulate my day to be able to hold how I'm feeling in any moment, but also that there's going to be some structure and so I can help myself move along. And so that's also an effective way to support children is to, um, have some um, structures that are going to be supportive that break up the monotonous uh, days ahead of us, um, but are also really responsive to what needs to happen, um, you know, whatever needs to be tended to as emotions arise. Hmm, that's really helpful. Um, I want to go back to the to the grief rituals. Um, mm hmm I shared in a, a newsletter and blog on the, on the Parents for Liberation website about the grief rituals I was building um, mm. as my father passed. And that was before the world collectively began to grieve. So some of it still resonates even as you're naming it. Um, some of my grief rituals were like creating a playlist of songs that mm. remind me of my father, or that my father and I would sing to or, you know, dance to. And so I would turn on that playlist. Um, it was journal daily. Um, and also I created an, <clears throat> an altar in my home with like, you know, things either that belong to my father or photos of my father or um, things that I created. And it was interesting because my son knows, you know, that this altar is here and he knows when I'm over there, what I'm doing. And so he'll come over here with me. And one day he's like, oh, mom, I have something for you. And I was like, what is it? And he's like, it's to go. He doesn't call it an altar. He calls it, um, I think he calls it like your daddy section or oh. something like that. I can't remember how he refers to it, but he calls it like your daddy shelf or something like that. Um, uh -huh. So he's like, um, I have something to put on there. And he went outside to the backyard and he comes back with this football. And I was like, a football? I was like, my dad, I don't think my dad likes football much. I think he likes basketball. And he's like, no, he gave me this. And I was like, Aww. oh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he gave me this. Do you remember he gave me this football? And I was like, yes. And the football says warrior on it. And mm. it was just like, he's like, I'm going to go place it on the shelf. And I was like, 
Okay, thank you. So he's like also contributing to it. You know what I mean? So it's just like a yeah. beautiful thing. Like children understand altars. Um, they might not call it that. Um, and then, and then like now as we've shifted to you know, from from like grieving of my father to grieving collectively of our lives that we knew before or grieving, like not being able to go to school or not being able to see friends or, you know, like being in the house, like that's all lost for our children. Um, yeah. We've been doing things like morning meditation, our morning um, check-ins, like affirmations and stuff like, okay, what are you committing to today? Or um, my, my daughter was like, down, had downloaded an app that like had, um, affirmations or mantras and so she would like pick one and we would read it all together as a family and we'd all reflect on like okay so how are we going to practice that today um, mm-hmm. and sometimes it wouldn't be in the morning to be honest sometimes it'll be in the evening and then we do some breathing together so like can someone lead us in a breathing exercise and then we pick a song of the day like mm-hmm. one that's like what's our mood for today and so like one of them was like happy from by Pharrell right like oh, we want to be happy even though like shit is crazy we want to be happy so yeah. we like play the song and dance around um and then throughout the day randomly a kid will be like Alexa play happy um Aww. I hope she didn't hear me right now because <laughs> she might start playing um so it's just like that 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 these are all rituals or structures that we can create to our day which I um I struggled with in the beginning. I think many parents struggled because, you know, like we are now uh, receiving so many messages about what we should be doing with our time with our kids, right? Like we've been getting messages to homeschool and have these like schedules from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And there's like boxes and color coordination. Like I've been getting emails from that. I've been getting messages like, no, that's, that's white supremacist culture. Like let's decolonize education. Like that's not how we educate our kids. Let's, teach them in another way. Um, let's be liberated. Right. And so I'm like, I've like gotten messages from this, you know, across the spectrum that run the gamut and I'm more inclined to be more liberatory. Right. And less colonized. And also I learned when my son started on- online schooling to so a school, like started to do like class sessions that he actually preferred that over me trying to do work packets and worksheets with him. Um, he preferred that being familiar, like, oh, it's familiar for his teacher to be in front of a classroom, technically, um, and to see his, like, schoolmates, right? And so he actually was like, okay, I'm willing to get up at 8 in the morning and be on this computer because that feels familiar. So he actually appreciated the structure when I was trying to be like, no, structure, let's just be liberated. Oh. And so I just feel like we're getting so many messages, mixed messages. Um, and so... I invite you, like, rather than telling us what to do, um, because a lot of people have told us that as parents, um, help us understand, like, what our children may be needing and how do we know, like, how do we connect with our children to understand their needs and how are we making sure that we meet their needs as opposed to, like, parents do these things. So what can, what, yeah, from your perspective, like, what can their little bodies and brains even retain right now, too, is what I'm like, what are they going to recall and remember from this time? Yeah. Um, I think that retention is going to vary from child to child um, because, you know, we each individual has their own kind of snapping point. And I, I would love to listen to the interview that you did with the neuroscientist 
um, because, yeah, I think go back and refer, I would refer to some of those ideas of what that means to self-regulate um, because everyone's regulation point is different, right? Um, and so it's really up to you to, like, make sure that you're observing enough to identify what's going on with your with your child and then um and then asking again what are those things that are going to be really supportive um one thing that i do find to be supportive for uh anybody is to like the brain right so there's this idea of scaffolding in education and it's really about like how do you build the steps up to doing something um and so if you're wanting to introduce a new idea that is um, maybe out of the, the ways that you hold family time, um, work up to it. So if you wanted to do a meditation practice, how, so I would start by like not just sitting down and doing it, but saying, let's start a meditation practice and let's think about starting it in a week. You know, and so you're just starting to tell your brain and brain and prime your brain that you're going to get ready for this practice called meditation. Um, and then you can kind of like start to do pauses in the day, like like look for the time when you want to do meditation and just have a pause. The pause could be a standing pause. It could be a place where you just um, sit down and hold your heart for a few seconds or do some deep breathing, um, but build your way up to a practice. So I find that to be really helpful. Um, I really find it to be helpful, one, for myself and for children when um, when you're just kind of in that stuff mode, right, that, that you're kind of like that paralyzing place of grief where you're, it's really hard to move, of articulating what needs to happen and then just getting ready for it, right? Um, so I think that that's something that's really supportive and then going into the practices. So building in the places where you can um, participate in ways of being that are going to bring the most care, bring forward the most love so that you're focusing on that. Hmm. I really appreciate the like work your way up to it because there are like times and I'm like oh I definitely want to do that with my kids and I'll be like honest like we start things and then like they're not consistent right so we did that one day mm-hmm. and then we didn't do it for a week and I'm like oh we forgot to do that morning thing that we started and they're like it's uh-huh. not like a practice that's in our body right because we haven't right. um right. it hasn't become an embodied practice and so it, I really appreciate like the work your way up to it and so I'm gonna work my way up to we're gonna do it once a week and then maybe after that we can do it two times a week. you know like we'll work our way up right. to it I mean, if it yeah, sticks, that means it resonates. And if it doesn't stick, that means it didn't work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Got it. So, yeah, inviting folks to give themselves grace. So, like, um, how can we also let the kids, like, make choices about what they're interested in um, and how they want to spend their time? Which gets me to, like, the question, you know, you co-founded an organization, Studio Pathways, that centers art and education. And so... I've been noticing like a lot of art based things, um, even in your in your article, you um, didn't clump art with other activities that you could be doing with your kids. Like you actually tease that out and pull that out as a separate thing. Um, mm-hmm. And folks have been saying online, like art is saving 
us right now, right? The artists mm-hmm. and the healers are, are are actually coming to our rescue as we're stuck at home, like from as far as like in Italy, folks singing songs across their balconies and like bringing out their instruments mm-hmm. and singing together to, I just saw like in New York City, I can't remember which borough and I don't want to say the wrong one. It might've been Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. They were rapping um, Biggie across their, uh, yes. their you know, oh, across their yet. neighborhood. Oh. It's so mm-hmm. good. They're like, it was all a dream. I just, yeah. I was like, okay. It was so great. Nice. I cannot wait to find that. Oh, that's so great. Oh, yeah. I'll send it to you if I can find it. Mm-hmm. I saw it online. Um, and so just like folks being sick, like arts being the way that we're connecting to each other and connecting to our spirit mm-hmm. um, and finding like joy again. So curious about you know why you feel like the arts are so important um especially as an educator and like how can parents spend like a lot of their time not on math worksheets or like spelling words but like maybe like how can arts save parents even right now as we're homeschooling mm-hmm. um yeah this is, so this is what my work is entirely centered around um is bringing um really systemic change efforts to education uh um, because what we know is that neuroscience and cognitive science tell us that we best learn through the arts. Um, all of our brains, like the human brain, regardless of culture, um, have portals, which portals meaning like ways that we um, encode information, and we encode information through artistic forms, so the visual and performing arts. Um, you know, meaning that is also music, that is dance, that is um, any kind of movement, uh, storytelling, and like we are pattern-seeking brains, so games and puzzles. We learn best through that those modalities, and so the fact that we haven't been um, embracing the arts, we've been eliminating the arts, has been so detrimental. Um, so we really focus on center the arts as primary uh, to education. So I could go off on that for today. So I'm going to try to get this focus in and narrow in on this question, um, which is, yes, the arts um, help us, uh, the arts help us feel, the arts help us navigate. I keep talking about, like, the experience of being in a human body and the purpose of kind of life, right, is um, we are engaging in all of these uh, ideas that are on the the planet and we want to um, investigate them. You know, I think that a a lot of the reason for being in a human body is to experience the ranges and forms of things that are to learn about here on this planet. Um, And so the arts are like core and central because we've from the beginning of uh, mitochondrial ease, you know, we've been making sense of the world through artistic expression and the arts are so central to culture. Um, like our brains, the culture is the software to our brain as Zaretta Hammond, uh, who's one of my mentors talks about. Um, and so we, we can't ignore um, who and where we come from and, and how we experience the world. Um, and those have largely been built, those experiences have been built through artistic forms, whether we recognize them or not. Um, and so that's why it's 
so significant right now is that people um, realize that that's, that's, that is the thing that is helping because the arts calm our nervous system. They um, tell our brain that uh, things are okay. So the brain is a safety-seeking device. It wants to always feel safe. And when we're in situations where we can't, um, things are so off-filter, the things that we're learning that are the most um, beneficial um, are these practices of singing, um, uh, being able to draw. Like even if it's like drawing circles over and over in a journal, that is helping your nervous system, right? I'm not talking about like go off and like um, be Kahinde Wiley uh, or be Kara Walker. Like you're, we're not going to build masterpieces right now. We're going to be like just line drawing and exploring that. Like if you're not someone that has been, um, uh, you know, had practice in the arts. Um, but moving our body, like the first week, uh, Debbie Allen did an adult class for um, dance. Um, and she played, she started off with Spain and I just melted, right? Like being a child of the late 70s and early 80s, I just melted. Like that is, took me to a place of um, like joy just because I used to love that show Um, and being able to dance and move my body with her was so uplifting um, because it my body was reacting like yes it needed to release the trauma um, which is something that animals do when animals uh, have trauma like if they are being chased by a predator they will freeze or hide when the um, uh, predator has passed, they get up and then they shake their body to shake off that trauma response. So if it gets stored in the body, it gets lodged and it gets harder to move. Um, you don't want those hormones to get stuck in your body, causes all kinds of things like inflammation, et cetera. Um, so the arts are by far the thing that is uh, the most incredible resource we have to uh, going through this survival mode that we're in to, um, to being okay, to re- get be renewed and then to keep uh, evolving in our experience of life together. Mm, thank you. I think it's really helpful for me to hear as a parent, not only the like, oh, you should do art because it's fun and colorful and kids like to dance and sing and, you know, move around, but also like the scientific kind of like the brain piece of it is helpful like it's not it just not only feel good to the body it's not just fun Mm -hmm. it actually is what we need to move trauma through our body it's actually what we need to learn like it's the best pathway to learn for our brain to absorb information is through arts um it really sucks that that's the thing that's often cut from schools and so what i hope is when we return to schooling you know next school year that arts will be centered that arts will be a core of the curriculum and not an extracurricular. Um, and yeah. and I've benefited from that, right? I, I went to an arts, a performing arts high school. Shout out Hollywood High, performing arts magnet. Um, mm-hmm. My my daughter's in a in a performing arts school, and she's doing acting, and she likes creative writing and storytelling. Um, and so, I do think like the arts are a key pathway to folks 
being embodied, right? Like just kind of knowing what do they like and how do they create and what do they think and I, actually to generate their own ideas and like to push their creativity. So I appreciate you yeah, um, sharing that because we don't need, mm-hmm. like I know for me, I don't want to raise children who are robots, <laughs> who That's just right. know how to hear what someone says and regurgitate it back. And like, I'm really good at repeating what someone else said. And I'm like, actually want you to create. What is What do you think? What are your ideas? How do you express them, right? How do we help mm-hmm. our children be critical thinkers and creators and innovators through the arts? So that's totally it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Raising liberated Black free children who are the yes. creators and innovators of the world. Yes. Yes to all of that. And it's really, yes, putting us up front and center in this world. Being pushed to the margins, this just can't happen anymore. No, we're not taking a back seat. Uh, yeah. And I appreciate you for yeah. writing and publicly sharing. But um, this is a time for us to all create, create our stories. It is. It is. Well said. Thank you so much, Trina. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I really love your Thank work you. and your thinking in the world. It's really awesome. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope that something shared on this episode helps you on your journey to liberated parenting. To learn more about our other episodes, check out our website at www.parentingforliberation.org backslash podcast. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us a good review. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more back with thinking, time for thinking ahead.